0: Life doesn't always go the way we expect. We pray to God, but sometimes it seems like God doesn't do what we've asked. We seek Him, but don't feel His presence. We go through pain, but our cries for relief seem to go unanswered. Sometimes our lives just don't make sense. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the JAR. Uh, we're so glad that you're here today. My name is Chris, and uh, we are so grateful you're here. If you would, there's a little card that looks like this. It's called our Connect card. And so if you could uh, pull that out, uh, that'd be great. It's in your program. And if you could just give us your name and uh, some information there, we'd love to uh, be able to connect with you that way. Um, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, coming back the Sunday after Easter. A lot of people come on Easter, the Sunday after Easter is like really important. So uh, we're glad you're here. And today we're launching into a brand new series called When God Doesn't Make Sense. Because the reality is, is that there are many times in which God doesn't make sense from our perspective. I mean, if you just put the uh, television on and you start seeing some of the current events and crisis that are going on, uh, or you look at your own life and you think of your life and you're like, ah, you know, there's so much pain and heartache and uh, confusion that's going on, and uh, it's very easy to feel like, you know, it shouldn't be that way, and it just doesn't make sense. And so over the next three weeks, what we're going to be doing is honing in on this issue when God doesn't make sense. Now, part of the problem with the fact that God doesn't make sense is that sometimes Christ followers don't help us, and they actually make it kind of more difficult for us. For example, uh, maybe you've had this experience before. Uh, Someone comes up to you and goes, Hey, I, I went to Walmart this week, and it was pouring down rain. It was like a downpour. And then all of a sudden, I prayed to the Lord, and the rain stopped. And I pulled up to this place where there was this parking spot just for me. And then I walked into Walmart, glory be to God, and as I walked in, the rain actually started again, but I was dry. And you look at that person and you're like, happy for you, hashtag you make me sick. (laughs) And you got drenched and you're like, dude, I've got some like real problems, you know, that are going on. Or... Pastors do this a lot of time. They pull out their amazing story of what happened. For example, I was on an airplane one time, sitting next to a meth head palm reader. And she said, can I see your hand? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I'm looking at your hand right now, and what I notice is there is a cross from the lines in your hand. And I said, I know. That's Jesus Christ who died for you. And she said, and I feel some heat coming off your hands right now. And I said, I know. That's the Holy Spirit coming out, letting you know that you're loved by God. And I converted that woman right to Christ right there. And then pretty soon the pilot heard about that. And the pilot came out of the cockpit. And the pilot started asking me questions. I converted him to Christ. And then pretty soon the pilot got back into the cockpit and, you know, he turned the plane around, and he's like, you know, I, I feel like we need to go to this one island. And we all got our parachutes on, and we, we parachuted out of the plane. And, and you know, we, we went down into this one island, and all the people there, none of them knew Jesus either. And all of a sudden, they all came to Christ, and glory be to God, you know? That didn't happen, by the way, because some people at the first celebration are like, man, you, you are powerful, you know? It didn't happen. And sometimes that happens in other ways. Sometimes you look at the friends around you, and you're like, they're so far from God, and they're making poor choices all the time, and it just seems like their life is blessed, and I'm being faithful, and I'm trying to do everything right that God wants me to do. And you're like, God, this serious. Do you see what's going on? I'm being faithful, and they're being blessed. So let me ask you this morning. How many of you have ever taken a moment where you're praying to God and you just don't feel like He's listening. Anybody? You want to be honest? I mean, you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and it just seems like God is inactive. Well, the good news is, you're not alone. We all experience this. The bad news is, is that sometimes, folks, God just doesn't make sense. So, for the rest of our time, what I want us to do is to... Look at this particular question. What do we do when God seems inactive? What do we do when God seems silent? What happens when we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and and we don't hear anything? You just don't sense God being there with you. So, from this question kind of leads to our big idea this morning. And uh, this is your first fill in the blank. Or if you want, you can go on our JAR app on uh, the app store. Just put down the JAR Community Church. You can pull it up. And here's our big idea for this morning, and it's this. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. Let me say that again. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. Just because you don't hear him doesn't mean that he doesn't hear you. Just because you don't feel his presence, it doesn't mean that he isn't present with you. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Now, for us to kind of understand this a little bit more, we're going to look at a particular story about a guy in the Bible named John the Baptist. And uh, I want to give kind of a context a little bit of who this guy is, John the Baptist. Uh, The first thing you need to know about John the Baptist is that he was Jesus's cousin, okay? He was his cousin, okay? So John the Baptist is his cousin. And John the Baptist was the kind of person who was a prophet, who was a preacher, and he would get in your face exactly what he thought. He was like, repent of your sins, turn away from them, and turn to God. And the whole reason he got the Baptist part is because he wanted people to turn to God and be baptized. He preached in animal skins. Think about that. Preached in animal skins. That's a cool look, right? And then he never shaved his hair uh, his entire life. He looked like one of these guys, you might think. So, so think of one of the Duck Dynasty boys preaching, okay? Uh, that's what it was. And his diet was locust and wild honey. And he didn't put up with it. You know, he just, he just didn't take anything. And the common people really loved him because he didn't take anything from anybody. In fact, so much so that this massive scandal broke out in the kingdom. And rather than saying anything, John actually goes directly to the king and gets in his face and gives him the business. The king was a guy by the name of Herod Antipas, and he was married to a a woman, but his interest was in his brother's wife. What do we say at that moment? On three, you'll say, ooh. One, two, three. Ooh. Oh, that was horrible. (laughs) He's got a wife, but he wants to hook up. With his brother's wife. What do we say? Ooh, yeah, exactly. So he's married to one woman, but he takes interest in his brother's wife. And do you know what he did? He actually divorced his wife, and he married his brother's wife, and her name was Herodias. And a scandal breaks out, and the king married his brother's wife. Well, when John the Baptist hears about this, he directly goes to the king and he says, you can't be doing this. So when he gets in the king's grill, Herodias, now his new wife, just hates John the Baptist. So let's dive into the story. Mark chapter 6, which is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. It's the second book of the, the New Testament. And Mark was simply a follower of Jesus who wrote down stories that he had heard. And this is what it says in verse 17. For Herod, again, this is the king, for Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias. This is the other woman, his new wife. He did this because of Herodias, his his brother Philip's wife. Whom he had married. Now, why did he do this? Because John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. John gets in his grill. Verse 19. So Herodias, the wife, nursed a grudge against John, and she wanted to do what? Everybody out loud. What did she want to do? Kill him. Kill him. That's why I don't mess with women. Because they might smell good, and they look pretty, but if you cross them, they'll cut you. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to go on anymore about this, okay, because I don't want to get cut, but I'm just telling you, it can happen. So Herod, (laughs) I'm messed up. So Herod uh, has him arrested, and she wants to kill him. And then it goes on to say, but she was not able to because why? Because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. So what do we have going on here? First of all, we have John the Baptist, who is Jesus's cousin, And he tells everybody, my only mission, folks, is to prepare the way of the Lord. And he says, I need all of you to repent from your sins. Turn away from them and turn towards God. And I want you to turn towards the one who has been called Jesus himself. He says, I must decrease, but Jesus must actually increase. And when people would come and say, John, we want to follow you. He'd say, no, 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 don't follow me. Who you need to follow is Jesus. And John the Baptist faithfully served Jesus during this whole time. He's doing what is right. But Jesus didn't come and rescue him. Say, what? You're telling me he did everything and... He didn't come to it? No. Jesus didn't. Doesn't make sense, does it? I, don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm John, I'm thinking something like this but you're my cousin. because I've been serving you. I've been staying in the background pushing everybody toward you, lifting you up, and now I'm in prison. And you're not going to break me out? I mean, I know you can, Jesus. I know you have that magical power poof kind of stuff, you know, where y- you can just get rid of the guards, you could open up the doors, Jesus, you could do anything. But Jesus doesn't. So what do you think John felt? What do you think John felt? Do you think even when he was in jail and Jesus wasn't around coming to get him, that his faith was unwavering and he was faithful to God? Or do you think that he had some doubt? So just real quickly, just fun, let's all vote. If everybody participates, it'll be better. How many of you think that John's faith was unwavering and he just kind of kept plugging through? How many believe that he had faith like that? Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, excellent. Now, how many of you believe that John actually had doubts and his faith wavered? How many would say that? Okay, now, How many of you right now are abstaining from voting because you hate raising your hand? Just raise your hand. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Folks, this is the truth. John the Baptist was human. He's human. He's been serving his cousin, Jesus, and Jesus doesn't bail him out. John the Baptist has his doubts. And some of you might be saying, are you just making that up? Like, that's what you think? Well, actually, if you look at another writer, a guy by the name of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament, just before Mark, it goes Matthew, Mark. If you look at Matthew, he writes about this same story, but he focuses on John's emotions. And so if you look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, this is what it says. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing. Now, how did he hear what Christ was doing? Well, most scholars believe that some of Jesus' disciples probably went to visit John to see how he was doing. And you can just imagine that John's in prison, and as a follower of of Jesus comes to him, the first thing John asks is, "Well, well, is Jesus coming? Is Jesus coming? Is Jesus coming? And the disciples say, Well, let's tell you what Jesus is doing. Let's tell you what Jesus is doing. Let's tell you what Jesus is doing. Jesus is doing some really cool stuff. For example, there was this boy that had a demon in him, and Jesus cast out the demon, and now the boy's well, and the family's well, and everything's great. There was this one person that was deaf, couldn't hear, and Jesus put his uh, fingers in this person's ear and now he can hear he took some water and and he turned it into wine this is what Jesus is doing and all of these miracles they start talking about and if I'm John and I'm sitting in prison at that time I start thinking to myself he's doing party tricks like he's doing party tricks but he's not saving me And scripture says, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. I know Jesus is doing all these miracles, but ask Jesus this Jesus, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, what's that? Is that doubt? I'd say that's doubt. I thought you were the one. I've been preaching to everybody that you're the one. I've been doing everything I can to show people that you're the one. But because you're out there and I'm in here and you're not coming from out there to in here to get me out of here, I'm just starting to question, are you the one? Are you the one or should we be expecting someone else? And then in verse 4, Jesus replies. But let me tell you, first of all, how Jesus does not reply. Jesus does not say, well, just tell John, I'm going to get there. I mean, it's been busy, been doing a lot of miracles, a lot of crowds following me. But tell him I haven't forgotten him. I'm going to go and get him out. Or... Hey, you know, Peter, he's got a big mouth, but he's got a big sword too. And so we're getting all of the disciples together and we're going to have a prison break. We're actually going to pull out our swords. Midnight on this day, Jesus, we're coming to bail you out. Or uh, John, we're coming to bail you out. I'm not going to be there, but we're going to take care of you. Instead, this is how Jesus replies. John asked him, Are you the one or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, the mission of God is going forward. It's awesome, John. I'm so glad to be able to report this to you. And then Jesus says this, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And John's like, uh, okay. Uh, I'm glad all of these powerful things are happening. I'm glad good stuff is happening to other people. I really, really am, but I'm here in prison and you're saying, blessed are those who don't stumble on account of me, but you're not going to come And get me. Is is that it? And I'm struggling right now, Jesus, because you didn't come yourself. Like you sent somebody else. You ever have this before? It's your birthday. And one of your best friends doesn't send you like a separate text or pick up the phone and call or send you a card but when they have all of the group stuff that's in Facebook, they just go, happy birthday, and you're like, say what? I thought we were tight. Couldn't you have just sent a private message or something? And so Jesus doesn't come and John starts having his doubts. Are you... The one. So what happened next? Well, the king throws a kegger. It's an everybody get drunk kind of thing. It's like the king comes over. He's like, man, man, I love you too, too. Man, you're my boy. I love you. And Fred, come on. Man, Fred, I love you too. We, we just love each other up in here, you know. And he's drunk. And He's wasted. And he's loving on everybody. Now, the story gets a little bit weirder now. Check this out. So, Herod's drunk. His new wife is his brother's ex-wife. And Herodias brings her daughter named Salome. And she's a teenager. And she does a dance. And the king loves the dance. Now, in my, the purity of my pastor mind... The dance that I'm thinking is that she's doing a ballet dance, okay? And she's on point right now, okay? Just like a really pure dance. But we don't know what kind of dance it was. She could have been twerking. I don't know. She could have been twerking. I have no idea in the first century what their dance was. I'm not going to show you right now, okay? Um, But uh, she might have been dancing with a pole. I don't know what she was doing. But she did something so much that the king loved it so much and he's drunk, he's like, oh man, look at that dance. I love that dance. That dance is the dance. Honey, whatever you want, you can get. Now, what's the king doing? King's saying, I got power. I can do whatever I want. Whatever you want, I'll give to you. And so... He's thinking to himself, well, she's a teenager, so probably what she wants is an iPhone X. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm thinking. Or maybe, you know, some concert tickets to One Direction or the Biebs or a combination, you know. Or uh, maybe, you know, at worst, she wants a new car, and, and I can do that. And the king's thinking this, and then all of a sudden, the the daughter actually goes over to her mom, and she says, Mom, like, what should I ask the king for? And she says, Salome, tell the king that you want John the Baptist's head. And so she goes over and she tells the king what she wants, and now the king's stuck. Because he's got all these guests, and they're all drunk, and he just stood up and said, you can have anything that you want. And now she just gave the request, and so he doesn't want to look bad in front of anyone else, and so he says, go execute John the Baptist. But, as the Executor is on his way to kill John, all of a sudden, the ground begins to shake, and an earthquake comes. And seven angelic angels come down to the prison, and all of a sudden the doors like fly wide open. And John is there, and all of a sudden the shackles come off of his arms, and he walks out with one voice and he goes, Freedom! Now, some of you may not have ever read that story before, you're not familiar with it. That is not what happens, okay? That is not what happens. Uh, It isn't that way. John the Baptist, if I were writing the story, would look like this guy. And he gets out of jail, and he gets the job, he gets the promotion, he gets everything. He gets a wife, a new house, new car everything that He wants. And this is the way we want it to happen, isn't it? In American Christianity, this is what we think. That if you turn to God, what will happen is... He's going to start blessing you so much that you're going to get the new house, the new car, the new promotion. You're going to get everything that you want, and your kids are never going to be sick, and you're never going to be sick, and your dog ain't even ever going to be sick. Because God's here to serve us, right? God's here to take care of us, right? It's all about us, right? God is here to make our lives perfect, right? Well, this is how it really happens. In Mark chapter 6, verse 26, The king, that is Herod, was greatly distressed that because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent out an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter. One more time. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought his head on. If I can be really, really honest right now, I don't like the way the story is. I don't. It doesn't make sense. I just don't like it. So let me ask you, what do you do when God seems inactive? What do you do when God seems silent? What do you do when God doesn't make sense? Now, let's just pause there for a second, and let's fast forward from that particular time to 2,000 years later, and let me ask you this question. What was John's purpose and calling of his life? It was to prepare the way for the Lord, right? Now, let me ask you this. Did he accomplish that? Yeah. What was God's purpose? God's purpose was to send his one and only son to come to planet Earth to teach and then to go to a cross and die upon the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. Did God accomplish his purpose? Yeah. So we can agree what John the Baptist wanted was actually accomplished. It just didn't happen the way he would have planned it. God's purpose was fulfilled. It just wasn't according to his plan, to John's plan. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the what? What's it say? Plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's what? What's it say? purpose that prevails. Folks, there are so many times in which we're going to say, this is the way it should happen. This is what should happen. This is the way, if I were God, this is the way this particular thing should go down. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Let me tell you a little bit about how this is playing out in my life right now. My brother Tim is uh, five years older than me, and he and my older sister Lisa, we uh, were all raised in the same home. And uh, some of you know my parents, great people, a wonderful home that we were raised in. Not perfect, but uh, safe and healthy. And uh, my brother and I, growing up, kind of battled a little bit with our relationship, um, mainly because when I was eight years old, he sold my huffy dirt bike. Now, I didn't find this out until I was 18, okay? But I thought someone had stolen my bike the whole time. Somebody did. I just didn't think it was going to be my brother, you know what I mean? Sold my bike. But that relationship actually um, had been strained pretty much that whole time. Now, for Tim's adult life, he's battled drug abuse and also mental illness. But at the age of 26, I received God's grace in my own life, and I just made a commitment right then and there that I was going to do everything I could to have a relationship with my brother, and I started praying for him regularly. And shortly after I started praying for that, he walked away from our family, and he was estranged from our family for seven years. No Christmas, no Easter, no birthdays, no word at all, not knowing whether he was dead or alive. And the pain that it caused me, but more importantly, my family, And my parents in particular just didn't make sense. And then one day I got a phone call from my dad and he said, Chris, I found your brother. I was like, oh great. He's like, he's in the hospital. He was just in a car accident. We don't know if he's going to make it. And what had happened, another car was coming down a hill. The son was in this passenger's eyes, they crossed the yellow center line, hit my brother head on, and the other person died. And it hit me in that moment. That could have been my brother, Tim. And so we came together, and he got healed up out of the hospital, and his life kind of started getting corrected and he reconnected with the family and things were going really really well and we got him plugged into a rehab place and my parents and I paid money to, to be able to do that and we worked with some counselors for his mental illness and everything seemed to be going really well He actually started coming to church he came here a few Sundays and and life was kind of turning around and uh, we thought that was really great and then all of a sudden, He got sucked back into the drug culture and he left the family again. And two years ago was the last time that I've actually seen my brother. But for A year, he and I kept texting back and forth. I was the only one in the family that he would talk to. And we would text back and forth. And then, a little over a year ago, he stopped communication with me, too. And I have no idea where he's at. But every single month, I send him a text. And I let him know that I'm thinking about him, that I'm praying for him, that I love him. And I send this, and I've done this for over a year, and nothing ever comes back. Folks, I've prayed for my brother Tim for 20 years. My parents have prayed even longer than that. And my plan is that he would reconnect with the family, but it just hasn't happened. And I have no idea if it's ever going to happen. And I hate that. Because, God, it doesn't make sense. But I'll tell you something. I'm not in despair. Because even though we're not reconciled, and that would be my plan that Tim would come back and everything would be reconciled, that's my plan. I trust God's purpose. I've seen His faithfulness. I believe in His faithfulness. My wife Jennifer and I uh, had a date night this weekend. And we went to go see uh, the movie, I Can Only Imagine. And the whole story is about Bart Millinger, who's the lead singer of the popular band Mercy Me. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I'd strongly encourage you to, or when it comes out on DVD or um, some other form, you can see it. And before he was ever even born, his dad, Arthur, actually was in a car accident and... um, He fell into a coma, and he used to be a very lovable kind of person. And after that, something just switched, and he became really mean and nasty. And as a boy, uh, Bart would get three to four beatings every single week for really small little things that he would do as a little kid or for no reason whatsoever. And one night, his dad beat him so badly that he thought he had killed him, and so He knew he had to ship him out and ship him to his mom. And uh, his mom kept him for just a brief period of time, and she couldn't handle him either and shipped him back to his dad. And when he gets back to his dad, the beatings didn't happen as much, but all of a sudden his dad was very clear, I don't care about you anymore, Bart. You're just somebody under my roof. And eventually, Bart started to uh, attend a, a youth group. And when he attended this youth group, he met Christ. And one of the things the youth pastor asked was, I want you to forgive the person who has caused you the most pain. And Bart just never could put his dad's name there, even if that was it. And eventually, he left his dad. He went off and started his music career. But then he comes back home because he hears that his dad has cancer and he only has a couple of years to live. And the whole story kind of pivots because it's like Bart; his entire life, he's like, I've always wanted to have this kind of dad now who has cancer but now has found Christ and is loving and kind and encouraging and forgiving and healing. I've always wanted this kind of dad and now he's going to die. And he said at his dad's funeral, his grandmother, Arthur's mom, said, I can only imagine what your dad's dealing with. Bart took the pain that he had from his life and he wrote this song called I Can Only Imagine that has impacted millions and millions and millions of people's lives throughout the world. But I'm sure when everything happened with his dad, he was thinking to himself, now I finally got the dad that I want and now he has cancer and God this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But it drove him to go to pain to write this song then that is the best-selling single in the history of Christian music, has crossed over into other places, and now has a movie where millions of people are attending and lives are being changed because of what seemed not to make. So when I think about my brother, Tim, I just don't fear. I mean, just because the relationship is not according to the plan that I really want for myself, I really wonder, though, eventually how God is going to use it for His purpose. You see, folks, I've learned that I do not, and you shouldn't either, you really shouldn't, interpret the goodness of God based upon your circumstances. Rather, you interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. Don't miss this, because it's so important for you to understand that we don't ever interpret, is God good, Based upon my circumstances, we interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. Whatever you ask God, if you ask Him, you know, what is the plan, God? What is the plan? What is the plan? What is the plan that you have for me? God just might say, it's not so much about the plan as will you trust me with the purpose? Trust my purpose. Trust my purpose. My faith is Not in my plan. It is in God's purpose. Because our God is good. Scripture says this in Romans 8.28. And we know that in how many things? In all things, God works for the what? For the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to what? His purpose. This doesn't mean that all things that happen in our life are good, but God says that whatever happens to you, I can bring good out of it because that is my purpose. Folks, when you don't understand something that's going on in your life, remember this. I don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purposes. I don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. Now I realize in a crowd like this, some of you right now, you have some high pain. High pain in your life right now. You have some financial struggles and issues that's going on in your life right now. And you don't know if you're going to make ends meet. You don't know if you can pay the bills. It is tough. And it's horrible. And others of you, you've been praying for a loved one of yours that is sick. and You've you've been praying and praying and praying. And there's no change. And it's horrible. Some of you have a relationship that has really gone south and is broken. And the person just keeps going further and further away. And nothing seems to be changing. And it's horrible. You have migraines. You have some kind of health issue that's going on in your life right now. And you've gone to doctors and you've done other things. And you're just like, why? 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 Why, God? Why? You don't have to understand. You don't have to even like the plan. And you can still trust God's purpose. His character. His goodness. He's always good. He's only good. He only knows to be good. He's good in every moment of every place because He is a good God. And you know what? Jesus understood this very well also. The night before Jesus is betrayed upon a cross, He comes to a garden. He bows one knee. And He says, Father, If there's any other way, please take this cup of suffering from Me. Because He knew what was going to happen. He knew the crucifixion was coming, all the pain, the torture, and He would be separated from His Father. Simply put, Jesus said, Father, I don't like this plan. I don't like the plan. But may your purpose God come to pass. may your will be done. And you remember what they did to him right the next day. They took him out, they falsely accused him it was in not it was at night and they beat him and they spit on him and they took a whip, and on the end of it, they put pieces of metal and rock on it, and they would whip Him into His back, and it actually would pull the skin away to where His internal organs were actually displayed. And then they put Him on a cross, and they nailed His hands and feet to the cross. And Scripture tells us that when He was on the cross, He looked up to His Father, and He said, Father! 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 Why? Why? Have you forsaken me? In other words, why are you silent, God? Why? Why don't I feel you right now? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Folks, just because God is silent, it does not mean that God is absent. And just because the circumstances that you're going through right now are extremely difficult, it does not mean that God is not good. And just because you don't understand what the plan is right now, you can still trust in God's purpose. Because even when it seems like God is silent, it doesn't mean that He's absent. When you don't feel Him, you don't sense Him, it doesn't mean that He's not here. So whatever you're going through today, even when God seems silent, it doesn't mean that He's absent. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come And I pray that you would reach out to people right now. There are some people who walked in here today. And they're hurting God. And they're facing a situation that they don't understand. Would you bring your healing to them in the way that you only can? Maybe right now you're facing a sickness. Or someone that you love is and it doesn't make sense. Maybe you're facing a struggle at work and a relationship that has a lot of tension in it. Whatever it is, if you were dead honest right now, just straight up, there is something in your life that doesn't make sense you're like, I need God's help so I can trust His purpose. And if that's you right now, if there's something in your life in which God just doesn't make sense, would you just raise your hand? Every every eye is closed. Just between you and God, if you just raise your hand, God, it doesn't make sense. Thank you for your honesty. God, I pray right now for each hand that was raised. God, I pray that you would send out your miracles that come from heaven into these situations. You can do all things, God. Everything is possible for you. I pray for financial miracles, for people who are unemployed, for people who have lost a job, that, God, you would help them through this and you would send a financial miracle through their obstacles. I believe you can do that, God. I believe that you're a healing God. That Jesus, you're the great physician. You can heal things that other people can't. And I pray right now that you would just come and that the bodies who are dealing with some kind of ailment or hurt, God, that you would bring your healing to them. I pray for relationships to be restored right now. I pray for fathers and daughters and moms and Sons and marriages to be healed in this place right now, God. I pray for relationships with siblings that might be broken, God, that you would bring it. That For my brother Tim, God, I pray, God, that you would restore that relationship. And God, whenever... you don't do something when we think you should. Help us to still trust that your purpose can overcome all things. Comfort your people right now. Maybe you're here today and the truth is you've drifted away from God. And you've walked away, and maybe you're kind of open to it, but you don't know. But the truth of your life right now is you have some huge hurt that's going on. And maybe, just maybe, you've hit the bottom place, you've hit rock bottom, and God just simply says, look up. And I pray right now that for many people in this place, God, who just feel like they've nowhere else turn, God, that they would turn up, that they would look up to you. Because today, that would be for some of you the very first step of making your life right. And so today, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness, I need your presence, I need your grace, I need the assurance of heaven. If you're ready to receive God's love, And begin a relationship with Him. I invite you to just share this prayer. And we never pray alone here at the jar. We always pray together in unison. And so if you would, I just invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who uh, said that prayer for the first time.
1: Hi everybody, my name is Emily and um, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time with Chris today um, we are excited for you and we want to celebrate with you and so there's a table um, back in the back there's a guy named Tom from our prayer team um, that would like to just um, pray for you and give you a Bible and kind of celebrate this moment with you so you can head back there um, after church and then also Chris had mentioned this connect card earlier to you and on the back side of it Right about halfway down, there's a little box that said, I accepted Christ today. And so we'd love for you to just check that um, so that we can uh, follow up with you and just um, be excited with you for that. And um, also, if you haven't finished uh, filling out that card, that Connect card, you can go ahead and do that. Whether this is your first time or you've been coming here for years, we just would love to be able to get to know you a little bit better. So um, you can fill that out, and then when the offering comes around, you can drop that in there. You can also fill that out on the app. If you don't have the JAR app, I encourage you to download that. And there's all kinds of really cool things you can do um, to interact with the JAR on that app. Well, at this time, we're going to receive an offering. So if I could have the greeters go ahead and come forward. And um, if you're new here, we don't want you to feel pressured to give today. We're more concerned about getting to know you. But if the JAR is your church home, then we just want to encourage you to give generously today um, to our God who has given so generously to us. Please pray with me. God, I thank you so much that you are a generous and a loving God, and I pray that um, we can just um, live out your example today as we give back. We pray that you would um, use um, what we give today to reach people in our community and to draw them closer to you. Amen. All right, well, um, if you've just started coming, or maybe today is your first time here at the JAR, Um, we'd love for you to stop by our guest connection table, which is right back there where Jim's holding up the sign there. And um, he has a free gift for you and is just here to welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. So before you leave, make sure you go pick up a free gift there. And um, also, if you're new, um, you might have questions like, what is the JAR all about? What did they believe? Where did it, how did it get started? Who's this Chris guy that's, that just taught us on stage? And, and maybe you want to meet Chris and haven't been able to do that yet. So we want to invite you to a lunch that we have for people who are new to the JAR called The First Step with Chris. And um, I wanted you to hear for just a minute from um, my friend Sarah, who's going to talk about her experience coming to First Step with Chris.
2: My name is Sarah Walker, and I heard about the Jar through a good friend um, and her family attend. And she knew that I was in the place that I needed to find a church home, and she invited me to the Jar. So I started my first time to, to the Jar was in September, and um, just a few Sunday celebrations into it, I heard about the invitation to the First Steps with Chris, um, and. Decided that was the next step to take to find out if this is the right process for me, and um, so the Sunday of the celebration after that into the Jar Cafe f- with Chris, and it was just very um, easy, casual, laid-back atmosphere. I learned more about the history of the Jar and how it's become what it is today, and heard a little backstory of. Chris, and that, that's what really impacted me was just knowing that everybody has a story and you just feel welcomed with open arms and just truly loved and accepted for who you are no matter what, what your story is or where you are. Since my first steps with Chris, I've um, continued to come to this at Sunday celebrations and then have learned and been invited to um, how to take those next steps to further my, my growth. So if you're new to the jar and you're not sure where to begin or how to meet people, I would encourage I would encourage you to take that step to first steps with Chris.
1: All right, well um, we'd love to have you at first step. It's going to be next Sunday, the 15th, right after church. We'll provide lunch for you and childcare if you need it, and we'll be done about one o'clock. So um, make sure you check that out after the second celebration uh, next Sunday. Well, um, if you are here and you are in 6th to 12th grade, or maybe you have a student in your home that's in 6th to 12th grade, we have an awesome program for our youth. It's called Impact. They meet every Sunday night from 6 to 8 right upstairs here at the Y. They have a lot of fun and um, really talk about real-life issues and and what it means to have a relationship with God. And so um, one really cool thing that they're doing next Sunday is they're going to Sky Zone together. Um, which is going to be really fun, and they're going to uh, have lunch right after church right here and then head out about 1 o'clock. So um, if you want to go to that, make sure you talk to Dawn today and get your um, forms in for that. And if you don't know Dawn um, or where to find her, stop by the resource table, and they'll be able to get you hooked up with that. Well, um, at this time, I'd like to have our prayer team come forward, and if there's anything today... Um, any need that you have in your life or anything that you would like to receive prayer for, they would be happy to uh, pray with you for that.
0: Okay. Well, hey, let's stand uh, before we close. Folks, just because God seems silent, it doesn't mean that He's absent. And just because you don't understand the plan, it doesn't mean that you can't trust In God's purpose. And so may you live this week like that. Know that you're loved in this place. And uh, if you could help us with uh, any tear down, uh, that would be great because all these chairs, they don't just miraculously go up to the sky and God takes them. That was my plan, but I'm just trusting his purpose. Okay, so you're the purpose. Have a great week, everybody. Know you're loved in this place.